podcast. Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz here in the Lions 24-7 podcast, recapping the Fiesta Bowl, talking the Under Armour All-American game, and really just getting to the latest of Penn State football a few days later than expected. Um, but as we said, same old podcast, so we got to be transparent here. We actually tried to do this the day after the Fiesta Bowl, and for a variety of uh, technical issues and in-person problems, we were not able to do so. So I'll lay out on my end what happened on that Sunday, sitting in gate A2 of the airport in Phoenix. Uh, first, I had a small audience of people who were very confused looking at me as though I was talking to myself. Then Vita Vea walked by, and then, Sean, you could not find internet. I could find internet. I just couldn't find a quiet spot for internet. And when I found the quiet spot, there was no internet. And Vita Vea didn't want to come on the show for some reason. Not that we asked him, but uh, it was just a— Yeah, probably ruined it when I chased him down the terminal. I, listen to how good I made you sound is what you should have said to him. Go, <laughs> I hyped you up so much and you fell flat, but please come on my podcast. I wouldn't tell him that. He's a big dude. Um, but yeah, it's been an adventure. It's been nearly a week since the Fiesta Bowl. Penn State uh, with, of course, the touchdown win over Washington. Uh, man, it's it, it was a trip. And, and we'll talk a little Fiesta Bowl in the show. Uh, I'm down in Orlando right now for my last day. Under Armour All-American Bowl. Several Penn State commits here and targets having a great week. And just uh, a little bit more on the show coming later. But first off, Andrew, what sticks with you about the Fiesta Bowl? Because that was quite an entertaining game. I mean, it was it was back and forth, and Penn State looked like they were going to blow them out, and then it got close again. It was just – it was a crazy game. It wasn't quite the Rose Bowl, but it was another crazy way to end the season for Penn State football. Right, and I'm glad you, you started with that, you know, what sticks with you at this point because, you know, about four or five days after the fact, we're nearing this end of, like, how much shelf life do we have on Fiesta Bowl Talk, and it's where you're kind of, like, sniffing the milk to see if it's still good. And, and for me, when I think about this game, I wrote about it yesterday in my Leftover Thoughts column, is basically that game was the very best of Penn State's recent past and a combination of its soon-to-be future. Because you look at Miles Sanders, for example. He had a career-high 27 snaps. But in the other 50 that Saquon Barkley got, he had... 25 touches, one of which was a long breakaway run. He went over 100 yards. They're sharing a backfield with Trace McSorley, who was so sharp, poised, and clutch. 12 for 12 on third downs, 193 yards, two touchdowns. Defensively, no standouts, but that's really been the story the last couple of years, right? They played so strong based on togetherness at all three levels. And outside of outside of Miles Gaskin's big run, I mean, they shot him down. So this was everything you expected. Even Marcus Allen leads the team uh, in tackles. Jason Gabinda played every single snap. The pass wrestling was more you know, a strength in numbers kind of effort. This was just everything you would want if you had one more farewell for this team, and that's what it was. They got the victory. And the offensive line, too, I talked about Miles Sanders. They got great push, not nullified Vita Vea, but did an outstanding job on him, and I think that's something you look forward to in addition to Sanders when you look ahead to next season. Yeah, I think neutralize is probably the word you can go with with Vita Vea because he's a guy that's, you know, we talk about those stars. They're going to get their yards. They're going to get their tackles. You know, he didn't have a great stat game, uh, but he's a phenomenal player, and Penn State did what they could to neutralize him, not only him, but uh, his defensive line mate, the pass rush. I mean, uh, that's the thing that really sticks with me is the offensive line. They've got a shot. I mean, they're more physical moving forward, I think, is the the way to go theoretically and and physically on the field. I mean, just got a little bit more push, got going, um, and probably their most impressive showing to date this season. Um, So that's that's one thing I take about it. And I I know you got on me the other day because we started this session about multiple things, but as long as Penn State has Trace McSorley out there, they got a shot. And I think that's the thing to take away from it, no matter who's calling the plays. I thought Ricky Ronnie did a very good job um, in his first uh, appearance this year as as the offensive coordinator. As long as they got Trace there, they got a shot. Right. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember when I would have gotten 
on you about that, but that was the first time we had done this. So that's so long really, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it is difficult to pick out one thing from this game. Cause even I, you know, lead out with the best of their recent past and a glimpse at their future. And I think a good point is Ronnie, right? I mean, I have not, you know, done my offensive tail to tape out fully yet. It will be out on Thursday, uh, which is when this is going to post defense is already up and out. Uh, but Ronnie got really creative. And, and I think that's, you know, not necessarily something you're going to see over the course of the entirety of, of 2018, but their personnel groupings were more diverse. You saw them mix in some more tempo, which isn't to say things got stale with Joe Moorhead, but, but Ricky Ronnie was a new offensive coordinator and you could tell, I think is my ultimate point. Tommy Stevens had 10 snaps in the two quarterback package. We don't know if he's going to come back, but they did a lot of that early on, which forced Washington to hesitate a little bit and think a little bit more. Because really, you had only seen Tommy Stevens in the high high red zone, sometimes low red zone, um, and then when they were approaching that area of the field. Otherwise, if you're an opponent preparing for Penn State, you didn't have to think about that at all. But Ronnie really took advantage of the fact that there was no tape out there outside of two years ago with the tax layer bowl in a very different system where he had called the game before and i think it really worked four touchdowns their first five drives you know i think if you're a penn state fan who worried about what the post joe moorhead era would look like uh right now you you have no reason to worry at all yeah i I liken this to when brent pry took over for bob shoop because there were things out there that bob shoop didn't want to do brent pry came in and made some adjustments it was still the same defense but but brent pry made some made some changes and did a couple things different this was still joe moorhead's offense but you know when you're taking out the architect and, and adding someone like ricky ronnie who's more likely to change things up he's more likely to do a couple things and you know i'm, I'm not convinced joe moorhead was a huge fan of the tommy stevens package whereas ricky ronnie um, you know, under James Franklin, you know that that that's something that they like. So I, I see these little things coming out. I think it's it's reason for optimism there. Of course, a, a lot of talent to replace uh, Saquon. Who you know, between the last time we tried to record and when we record, of course, uh, you know, went, went pro as everyone expected. Yeah. But also Deshaun Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton was phenomenal at times this year as a best receiver. Uh, was great in the Fiesta Bowl once again. You're going to miss that. So, but 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 they've got guys to step in there, and I think Ricky will will be okay calling the plays and going forward and making these little adjustments much like Brent Pry did after Bob Shoup left. Right, and I think we, you know, we point to the two quarterback package because it's the most blatantly obvious example of what Ricky did that was different. But it's not necessarily anything that's going to be the most significant moving forward because again, it might not even exist. So they took advantage. It wasn't very productive. I mean, Tommy really didn't have any big gains there, and even as a decoy, wasn't highly uh, effective. But nonetheless, they tried out and like I said I think that helped open up things in other areas so uh, it's something that moving forward I wouldn't focus on but just keep in mind that there's you know more of a realm of possibilities I think uh, with Ronnie there because you know obviously he's going to do a little bit things uh, do things a little bit differently than any other coach which of course his predecessor being Joe Moorhead now Brent Pry that's another good point too because I think he he had an underrated performance in this game too because watching his offense is really difficult to prepare for if you're not familiar with them due to the variety of pre-snap motions that they'll have misdirections post-snap and just getting their guys out in space so Dante Pettis only playing a half dozen snaps I think really helped them but, but a big credit to Pride. they didn't blitz a whole lot still got pressure on Jake Browning and again like I said outside of Miles Gaskin's nice 69 yard run of the fourth quarter shut down the running game 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the pass rush because uh, those defensive ends are going to be good. I mean, it's, they're not there yet. And of course, Shaka Tony was not a factor. Sharif Miller only played half. Ryan Buckholz only played half as well. But I thought Shane Simmons looked great. I thought Ito Gross Matos looked like a, a star in the making. And Very that, that position is going to be really good. And, and of course, you know, down the road, you, you could add a Jason Awe. You can add a Micah Parsons who's going to start at linebacker, but, you know, is an edge rusher at heart i mean that position while there were several question marks this year you're getting miller back you're getting buckholes back tony simmons gross matos i mean you you've got an opportunity for that to become a strength of your team in just under a year and i think that's uh you know given the way that penn state lost this year not getting home to the quarterback against ohio state michigan state you know if you can get those guys out there i mean that's that's a great step forward for this defense next year it's huge too, and you know I mentioned a couple times about the glimpses of next year. The pass rush plays a role in that run defense. So for me, it, we could take a quick trip to Negative Town. I think could be something that bears watching, and perhaps needs to grow over the early part of next season because they're they're losing their top three defensive tackles, Brandon Smith and Jason Gaminda, both better against the run than they are against the pass. So oddly enough, in their final game, actually were better in coverage, in my opinion, than they were against the run due to a couple missed tackles. And then Marcus Allen and Troy Apke are gone. So that is the backbone of your defense, front to back that you have to replace and I think they've got decent depth there you know up front Robert uh, Windsor Kevin Gibbons could step in and start second and third stringer is going to be more of a question Nick Scott and Aaron Monroe got snaps here and there safety linebacker we've talked about before but the run defense is something we've largely taken for granted and I think that's something that will not be there right away next year so how well does Penn State defend particularly on the inside we don't know um, you know, the Cawthon brothers were never one to stuff a stat sheet, particularly from a pass rush perspective. But again, that just anchoring down the middle is something that, you know, might bear watching because it, they did very well in this game. But maybe that 69 yard run is a little bit more of a glimpse of what's to come in the first couple of weeks of 2018. Yeah, those guys up the middle. Um, and, and you mentioned it before, Penn State's defense, not an overwhelming stat guy on that defense. It was always spread around. Ta- leader, leading tackler was usually around seven or 10. And, and there was four or five guys where right from seven to five tackles or something like that but productive snaps all around the 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 departing defensive tackles Tyrell Chavis who you didn't mention um was incredibly Uh, yeah I I don't want to call him productive because his his numbers aren't there but man he he played some really quality snaps for Penn State and they're going to miss that up the middle um we came in say we came into the season saying up the middle they'd be strong they got the defensive tackles Cabinda and and then Marcus Allen as well you're replacing all that next year you're going to miss Brandon Smith more than you ever thought you would um so I I, it's going to be something that you know it's going to take time I don't think that that they're going to be there in September next year, but you've got an opportunity to grow. Micah Parsons is there at Mike. Ellis Brooks could step up and Mike Jan. You just don't know who's going to be there. So a lot of productive reps to pick up, even if the stats don't don't say it. And we've got plenty of time to talk about the future. Uh, I can't believe I left out Tyrell Chavis. I don't know how many times in the quick hit section of my tale of tapes I was like, oh, by the way, Tyrell Chavis was, was really, really good today. And that also goes for the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, he had a sack. He won a lot of one-on-one matchups. was a force against the run. And really, I think if you know, they always like to say a fifth starter or a second starter when you're talking about guys like Tommy Stevens um, you know, or Kevin Gibbons this year when they have just too many guys to fill in their starting spot. He, in my mind, could have been like a, a third starting defensive tackle, the way they like to phrase that as a staff to kind of keep everyone happy because he he was that good as a big body inside. They started pairing him with um, 
Parker Cawthorn, who traditionally might be some more one techniques, but I think that's a credit to Tyrell being able to penetrate a little bit better than we expected. So uh, he's a guy they are going to miss, and I think if you were going to bring someone back, obviously you take any one of the three, but given where previously we had thought about Cawthorn and Cawthorn as a step above everyone below them, you know, the, the fact that Chavis, in my mind, has moved himself up into that conversation and you would more than happily take him back is a credit to him and, and is a person they're going to miss. But like I said, plenty, plenty of time to talk about the future. The other question I want to ask is not only just what sticks with you from this game, but what does it mean first and foremost that Penn State won this game and as opposed to obviously if they had lost it. You know what's interesting is people like to say Penn State is back. The Texas was back was big earlier this season when they clearly were not. I don't think – This season and last in the – yeah, I mean that that's true. Yeah, but the, I mean it, that's such a, a subjective thing, and I, it doesn't matter. I mean, Penn State uh, competed for the Big Ten title this year, won the Big Ten title last year, has played in two straight New Year's Six bowls. Are they back? I mean, I, I don't know that they're as talented as some of those teams. I and mean, you watch the college football playoff. I don't know that Penn State would have beaten any of those teams, but um, you know they're certainly in the mix. And I think that's the big thing to take away from it. Uh, you, you firmly establish yourself as a top ten program, and you know top ten to twelve program is is that talent continues to trickle into the program with these these four and five star guys that are coming in it, the future looks pretty good and 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 if they can get the right guys to call the plays and if they can shore up a couple positions you know they can beat anybody on their schedule and they've proven that in the last two years right i think that staying power is the biggest part of that right because let's say that they had lost i mean you could say oh we went to two straight new york six bowls and beat it for a big 10 title but then you also lost to the best of a down pack 12 conference two straight years i mean this was the first conference in the last couple of seasons that was omitted from the playoff conversation and if penn state can't beat them and then they're clearly a step behind ohio state they're still in that mix of not okay you're top 10 you might be top 12 or even top 15 you're definitely in the bottom half of that right now penn state winning this game and looking back at its last three losses in 15 months were by a combined seven points that's different if you lose to washington and leave this sour taste in the mouth of everyone who had watched in a very senior laden team because i don't think anyone expects them to really improve upon 10 and 2 next year but it, it establishes that they are back i mean in so many points of the last two seasons we said okay penn state's returned i think this is erases any doubt as to that being possible because now at this point having won the fiesta bowl having won a big 10 championship in the last two years you can suffer like an eight and four nine and three and that's okay because people still respect the talent that you're bringing in and the coaching job that's been done, particularly given this started at the end of the sanctions era. So, you know, on the flip side, they have enjoyed those close shave wins. I mentioned the three losses by a combined seven points. I'm sure we're going to hear that about that a lot in the offseason. Really? But Come on. <laughs> there's, there's, there's got to be a program-wide confidence that, that comes from a win like this, just like the Big Ten title that says we are going to win regardless of circumstance. That's only something that you can earn, and I think that's a tremendous thing that will help help a lot of the young guys we just mentioned step in because they might not have played a single snap but they believe wholeheartedly because they're wearing the blue and white that they're going to go out there they're going to play well and that they're going to win well, i'm going to go run through a wall now after that pep talk but uh <laughs> but but elliot from sb nation is a big proponent of the blue chip ratio as he calls it and you know it takes recruiting rankings and you know sort of lays out the talent level on a roster and penn state's been playing above you know where their blue chip ratio has been for the last couple of years now as these recruiting classes come in of course three five stars signed in december that that ratio number or formula or whatever is going to go up so penn state you know can can sort of level off and still be on that but i mean that that's 
just says, you know, this one's going up. I mean, this 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 is something where the the roster is getting better. It's getting deeper. Um, I go back to like three, four years ago. James Franklin and his staff, you know, everything was not going well. They did not panic and load up at at a certain position to to put a band aid on something. Of course, they did go JUCO and 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 it actually worked with Tyrell Chavis. Didn't work with Brennan Thrift, but uh, I I mean, they've done everything from a roster building. standpoint that you, you really could have done and there, there aren't too many bad moves I mean there, there are guys that are transferring out that you know have have had discipline issues or guys that are transferring out that weren't getting playing time but that's the mark of a good program transfers happen everywhere attrition happens yeah. everywhere and and if you you know it's the buffalo theory if you if you've got guys that are at the back of the pack and and they can't cut it you can replace them with uh, with faster guys up front so I mean you this this is a very healthy program right now, and I think that's uh, something to move forward. And you you look to the next nine months on, on what to be optimistic about. And sure, you got to replace a ton on defense, but this is a very healthy uh, program moving forward. And and when you're talking about space, I mean, the, the, this is a, a well spaced out roster as well. The Buffalo theory. Well, that's an old Cheers thing. Uh, I don't, I don't oh, get into okay. it, but I, I bet a lot of a lot more of our listeners know it than you do. <laughs> Yes. Really? Yes. Uh, you look it up later. Yeah, I know you got time. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a poll on that. <laughs> Great. I mean, I like it. I was just not certain when you started if this was Colorado Buffaloes related versus actual Buffalo. Everything is Colorado Buffalo related. You know it. Four yeah. Super Bowls, you win one, but even though you didn't really. The Bills are still playing, by the way, which is just uh, wow. Good. Kudos big, to them. I mean, big shock. Good for their fans. Anyway, what's that going on? the Buffalo Bills segment. <laughs> um, all right, so we've alluded to – I'm glad you went back for the, the blue chip conversation though about where this all started too because right now I'm going to ask you because I was not there for all their recruitments. You think about blue chip players and how they develop. is very different from the kids who come in and say, okay, they might have an impact from day one. So how many blue chips – this is a genuine question – is Penn State waving goodbye to for all these names that are now leaving the program? Saquon Barkley, Mike Kosicki, Brendan Mann. Deshaun Hamilton, Jason Amenda, Curtis Carthen, Parker Cothran, Marcus Allen, Troy Apke, Grant Haley, Christian Campbell. How many of them were blue chips coming in? Well, Saquon was obviously a, a really highly rated kid. Mike Jasicki, uh, top tight end in the country. Marcus Allen was a four-star safety. Uh, a lot of three-star guys in that class. Uh, I think Brendan Mann was a four-star one or two places. But, um, yeah, it was um, it was definitely a class where they got the most out of it. I mean, those, those guys really came in and developed. And uh, what Barkley did not redshirt. Gasicki did not redshirt. Marcus Allen did not redshirt. Christian Campbell did not redshirt. Grant Haley did not redshirt. You just go through and it. It's been uh, sort of a cycle of uh, of development. I mean, Grant Haley and Christian Campbell played right away because they had to. Troy Apke, who had a, you know he didn't redshirt either, played at special teams because he had to. And you know that's the thing. I mean, you don't you don't necessarily need to redshirt every guy. Every guy's not going to be here for five years, whether it's on the good side of the spectrum, the bad side of the spectrum. And you know the, there are guys that definitely need it, and there are guys that haven't taken it that definitely need it. But you need bodies. You need to win games. I mean. This isn't some. I mean, you don't you don't see Alabama redshirting three quarters of their class. I mean, they throw those right. guys right in, and they're they're gone in three or four years, and they recycle with the with different talent. So, you know, development is is very important, no doubt. But you know, you're going to get the most out of your guys when you, when you're cycling through and playing those guys in in, in three or four years. Right, and this was, you know, I think more out of need back then than right now. If you if you're in Alabama or Ohio State or where Penn State wants to be, where you're bringing in these kids and not having them redshirt, um, 
years goes out of need right now that that wouldn't be the case but when you look at how all of them produced and developed uh, you know they might not be blue chip in terms of nfl prospects but as college football players absolutely and all these guys are now going to leave not only a legacy of people uh, bringing penn state back and, and winning a fiesta Bowl and a big Ten championship but i think establishing that culture of what penn state wants to do i mean we've we've heard james talk about this before if you're, if you're not going to be number one in attendance or number one in a variety of different areas what are you going to be best at what do you hang your hat on and their answer that they want to be is development and i think when you look at a variety of these players particularly given some of them were recruited under bill o'brien um you know that's a credit to them not only necessarily being their guys but bringing them along having them be so productive and now it'll be a real test of how that development is because they're not going to be able to rely on these guys as veteran players moving forward so how well do you have you been developing the players behind them we're about to find out yeah and and of those names that you mentioned uh, aside from the offensive defensive lines which you know is usually an automatic redshirt or close to it if you're talking about de- defensive tackle and and things like that Deshaun Hamilton is the only one that took a redshirt uh of the you know the back seven players or the skill players on offense because he was hurt so um, it was uh, it, it was an interesting not quick fix situation but you throw those guys in the fire and, and now you're seeing down the road I mean uh, three red shirted uh, wide receivers this year and it just it just goes on uh, Journey Brown red shirted uh, tight end tight end red shirted um, so I mean it just keeps going on and on and you know it's uh, it, you know it's it's a good sign it's a sign of a healthy program. All right. Sign of the healthy program next year, I think, is going to be the offensive and defensive lines along with Miles Sanders. I've already dished out two out of the six thoughts that I had in my column the other day, so why don't I just throw out a third? I think this running game has the potential to be even better next season, which is by no means a knock on Saquon Barkley. I don't think that's something that you should ever do. Barkley wasn't uh, good enough for you, was really it? really yeah. is possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's a credit to Miles Sanders, who Tommy Stevens said post-game that basically this isn't, again, to, to knock on Saquon, but he can do everything that Saquon does he's been learning from him for two years he was a five-star kid coming out of high school best running back in the country and and again it's this offensive line is not only returning four starters which we parroted last year and we, we've been able to say in recent years when it still really struggled but i think next season is at last the year when perhaps they don't live up to dominant expectations but you have an ideal mix of legitimate talent experience in games and then also just experience and taking reps within the program whether that's as a backup like Michael Mennett who has not you know started the last couple of years but we're entering as a redshirt sophomore so this is where I think you start to see them finally overcome everything that's been you know said about that offensive line and because you know four out of the six or seven people involved in the running game at the minimum are going to be better than they were a year ago I think that's where you start to see the running game as a whole step up Trace McSorley should be back you know the tight ends might be able to provide better blocks We'll see how that unfolds. But the offensive line, the biggest guys, the majority of the players involved in that running game should be better. I don't see why they don't have more yards than they did this season. With with all due respect to Mike Gesicki, I think the tight end blocking will be better no matter who's in there. Um, <laughs> True, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the potential is there. They've they've cultivated a little depth. You still got Chaz Wright. Um, you know, you, you've got Ryan Bates who can play anywhere. You've got Chaz Wright who can play at tackle. Will Fries who really came into his own at the end of the year. So you've got three tackles there, and that's ideal. I mean, you can swing those guys back and forth and and, and go from there. Um, on the interior, uh, of course, uh, I thought Stephen Gonzalez played well in the Fiesta Bowl. Connor McGovern. Um, you know, has been solid, and, and you're replacing Brendan Mann, which is going to be tough to do at first. But I think they they have enough bodies that you can throw in there, and, um, it, it, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you could go back to Ryan Bates at guard if you needed to. I mean, that's the that that's how 
much deeper. I'm not going to call this a deep unit by any stretch of the imagination yet, but that's how More much competitive deeper. though in house, like no doubt. Right, right. They, you, they've got the ability to do so, and, and and I think they'll take a step forward this year. Um, the way they were blocking in the Fiesta Bowl, that they, they they definitely were moving forward. So um, that, that that's certainly promising. Uh, Miles Sanders, very very good back. Uh, he's going to be very good. I I mean Saquon's a once in a generation type guy, so uh, the expectation level. But but then again, I mean defenses. You were, you were keyed on Saquon all the way through the season. You're probably not going to do that, especially with, with seeing Trace McSorley complete 12 of 12 passes on third down in the Fiesta Bowl. You can't just account for the running back anymore with Penn State. And on the flip side, I mentioned the defensive line, you know, more so at end than at tackle. I think depending on Sharif Miller's development, you know, again, he only played one half. He had one sack. He was their most productive pass rusher, even if the sacks didn't mention. I mean, he, he had more hurries that I recorded than anyone else by a long shot. He and Shaka Tony could become two guys where, again, if you're an opponent scouting Penn State in previous years, it was like, okay, there's no one that outright scares us. Marking out, Mark Sound, very good talent. And the back end's going to come up and, and hit you in the run. Jason Kamin is going to be good against the run and that defensive line collectively you know is a unit that we've got to block but there's no one that scares you no one that says we need to double all the time no one that says we need to throw away from him and I think with Sharif Miller and Chaka Tony those could be two guys that step into that kind of role and say listen we need a chip we need a double we need to cut block we need to screen and then we need to rinse and repeat that whole cycle because if we block them one-on-one we are going to be on our backs the entire game I'm going to be really interested to see you know, the reps next year at defensive end because we talked about Simmons and Gross Matos. And we, we talked about how dominant Ohio State's uh, defensive line was, especially against USC in the Cotton Bowl. I mean, th- their thing is bringing a bunch of defensive ends in, you know, playing that four defensive end package. And I don't think Penn State's there yet. But when you look at the deficiencies at, at defensive tackle next year, Robert Windsor's a very solid player, but he's not a pass rusher. Kevin Givens, who we didn't even talk about as a defensive end yet, um, you know, you can move him all over the place. So I think Sean Spencer, I think Brent Pry will get creative getting as many of those defensive ends on the field. And and like I said, saw great things from Shane Simmons, great things from Yitor Gross Matos. And I think that the future of that position is, is very, very good. So they're collectively the wild dogs, and Ohio State goes with, I think they call it the Rushman package. If you're saying we're going to, Penn State is going to roll out here for defensive ends, what would you what would you name that package? Well, I think, first off, they need a defensive lion, don't they? I mean, if, ah. yeah, I mean that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure what the package is going to be, but I, I hope to see a new position on the depth chart for like a, uh, you know, a, a, a seven technique slash uh, nose guard type type player. That'll be fun to, fun to see who ends up there seven technique it's like you say seven technique yeah yeah definitely like why yeah nose guard Wait, yeah man uh, <laughs> yeah so anyway we're, we're we'll stop joking now and get back to football because we're awful at this but um no all I right mean, well let, i'll let you redeem yourself let's talk about orlando under armor all-american bowl which got it's cold man and and i've got no sympathy from up north it's crazy how that works say, you know how many people you just made <laughs> angry either by the jokes or now this comment that follows up with we're cold because i've texted that or mentioned it casually in conversations from arizona and then i went and saw friends in san diego and they go i'm about to hang up on you and i said you know what that's fair yeah it's absolutely fair and i hope my wife isn't listening because i've gotten play by play of how cold it is in pennsylvania right now um but anyway uh under armor all american week four penn state commits playing in the game and jason awe uh big target for them announcing at the game tomorrow which is at 6 p.m thursday um so this will be out a little bit before that but i tell you what man uh i'm not sure what the expectations were coming in but they've been exceeded uh justin shorter may be the top overall performer of the week uh he's had a phenomenal week uh was 
our 24/7 Sports Alpha Dog on Tuesday. Um, he's just been he's he's been good, man, crazy good. I mean, he he looks like a college player that's out here playing with high school guys, and th- this is the cream of the, cr- the crop in uh, you know this and the Army Bowl uh, in terms of talent, uh, high school talent. So Justin Shorter's been out here. He's been a man. He's been a, a, a guy that's run sharp routes. He, but the thing about him is, you know. He, he's a very good uh, very good double move guy and, and when you can run as well as he can he's a long strider and he gets going fast when you can run as well as he he can that double move is deadly so um, Justin Shorter I expect him to, to contribute right away at Penn State of course Irvin Charles not with the team anymore so that uh, sort of opens things up on the depth chart a little bit behind Juwan Johnson but he can really play anywhere and I've, and I've heard they're not against playing him in the slot which is for a guy that's six four two twenty. That's uh, it's quite a matchup problem in the slot. Uh, you're losing Mike Gesicki, of course, but uh, man, that's uh, that's something to go. But just just every day, I mean, I'm covering I'm I'm covering this game for the 24/7 Sports National Recruiting Team, so I'm I'm focused on the offensive defensive line for for one team, and that's pretty much my thing. And and I keep seeing these Penn State guys pop up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a Penn State guy. I notice these guys a little bit more, and then my colleagues are like, hey. Uh, Justin Shorter, the alpha dog on Tuesday. PJ Mustafer, the top overall performer on Sunday. I'm like, hey guys, leave me out of this. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit biased here, so I don't want to. And nope, Penn State guys are are, are doing it. So, um, th- I think that's been the biggest thing is everybody's impressed by them. I mean, the guys down here for rivals are impressed by them. Justin Shorter should get a fifth star on there. He pretty should already have a fifth star in there, but should get a fifth star in there. So, just everybody that's come down here. Um, you know, Shaquan Anderson Butts didn't practice on on Monday for a hip injury, but those, those three guys Ricky Slade Justin Shorter PJ Mustaver came down and, and improved their stock and I, and I see these guys you know if not rising you know a little bit just to, at least at least holding firm to where they're at because they're already pretty high, highly rated guys right um Shaquan Anderson Butts obviously did not sign in December anything new there with respect to his status for February no he still plans on signing in February I mean it's just one of those situations he's got some things to work out academically he took the ACT again in December um that's what's, what's why he didn't take his official visit back with the rest of the team so he'll take his official visit with Mustafer with Juice Scruggs at the end of January and and, and plans to sign in February it's not a situation where any other schools are, are coming after him. and they know he's got academic issues uh, as well it's no secret so um, nothing really new there. Um, he's sh- he's shown some flashes. He's he's a little he's a cut below um, the guys that, that are down here. I don't think there's there, there's any question about that. But you know he's won some one on ones. He's done some nice things. He's playing behind shorter uh, at split end, and um, you know he's done some nice things. But uh, I think he's he's a developmental guy a, a couple of years off. These other three guys, I mean, I could see shorter playing right away. I could see Slade playing right away uh, next year behind Miles Sanders and, and Journey Brown, and uh, I could see him making an impact in that situation mustafer is a guy that you know i came in pj's pj's always been interesting i mean plays at mcdonough was good school good competition well coached you know he's got everything going for him his brother played at notre dame so he's been on the radar forever so you weren't sure you know did he have that toughness was he a guy that you know was maybe a little bit higher profile because because of his brother and things like that i agree well he came down here He's in shape, first off. He's 287 pounds because he's sucking weight for wrestling. He's going to be 305 probably by next summer, and I don't think he has any problem holding it whatsoever. Um, he's been a leader. He's been the first guy at drills. He's in so much better shape than a lot of these other defensive tackles that are down here, and it's really paid off. I mean, he's, he's a natural leverage guy as a wrestler. Um, he's just He's been very, very good, and he's exceeded my expectations. He was probably the guy that I was most interested to watch, and you know, I've watched offensive defensive line for his team all week, 
and you know he's been he's been a stud. So um, pleasantly surprised with PJ Mustfer. Wouldn't you know we have him ranked pretty highly. Wouldn't be surprised to see that composite score come up with uh, with some other rankings uh, pulling him up a little bit. But yeah, man. Uh, despite the weather, all good in, in in Orlando this week for Penn State guys. And and PJ is an interesting prospect, I think, too, because we've mentioned it multiple times now, defensive tackle. I mean, they, they're going to replace more than a 1,000 snaps in the interior, and competition will, will play out, of course, over the spring and summer is who's going to eat those up. We've talked about Windsor, Givens, I think, you know, some of the redshirt freshmen that are currently in the roster could step up into those roles, um, or even some of the, the sophomores, but he's a guy, too, where you might not be comfortable having him, you know, in the two deep, but maybe in that third string if he's able to work his way up and you know add that weight and, and be functional with it right what's interesting is is i talked to pj earlier this week and he mentioned that they want to bring him as a, a one technique and he you know he's six four six four and a half and he's going to be 305 pounds and so he's, he's got windsor size but he's got a completely different build what that tells me is behind windsor you know you've got antonio shelton ellison jordan i mean you're just not very deep at defensive tackle so this is an opportunity well, fred hansard too among fred, uh, fred hansard in there as well you're right. But this is an opportunity, I think, to get him on the field sooner. Um, the three tech, uh, you've got a bunch of guys there as well. Uh, Givens and Jordan, you know, the, I, I think it's an opportunity for him to come in and play. And, and the way Sean Spencer moved those guys around one tech, three tech, not nearly as important as, you know, so, some other times in, in, in this program's history. Um, but no, I think he's got an opportunity to play. I think that's what they want from him. Judge Culpepper's coming in as a defensive tackle, but he's, you know, gonna, he, he's 260 pounds right now. He's not going to be mm-hmm. close to that. So I think he's just got a, a, a you know, sort of a pathway to playing. And I think that's the quickest way to get him onto the field. Good for him. All right. Uh, that's what's next for PJ. What's next for us is TBD because uh, I'm not sure when we're going to record next. So I think we might as well knock out what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Obviously, the next signing period is going to be in February after that. And currently, you know, right now, some of the seniors we mentioned in my long list earlier, they're going off the train, have signed with a variety of different agents and places where they'll be for the next couple of months leading up to April. Uh, we're also going to be training for our own pro today, which I let you know this earlier, but uh, the eating habits have not improved uh, since I've been on the this West Christmas Coast. This break has not been great for training, huh? Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but New Year, new us, like we said. Something so, like yeah. what have I missed? I mean, you know, obviously at this stage, it's a, you can't go any higher than a Fiesta Bowl and a recent signing period, and it's not going to get any busier. Um, but, but under the radar storylines moving forward. I don't know that there's too many under the radar. I mean, when you look at recruiting, of course, uh, that's the funny thing about being down here is with that early signing period, it takes a lot of drama out of it. I mean, it takes a lot of those guys that were, you know, would have another month, a month and a half of, of recruiting ready to go when they get down here. And then all of a sudden they're signed. So, I mean, talking to them is great, but nothing's going to change with them over the next month. Um, but, but you've still got targets. You still got Jason Alway, who's going to announce Thursday and Penn state leads the crystal ball for him. Um, of course, Tyreek Smith is going to announce Thursday as well. Ohio state taking the overwhelming lead uh, a couple weeks ago for, him um tyler friday solomon enos rasheed walker so there's targets there and i think from a recruiting standpoint what they're doing now is they're shuffling that board finding guys that did not sign so you you might see some new 2018 offers go out and it's fishing at this point you're just throwing it out see if you can get some interest but you can identify some of these all-americans some of these, these these higher rated guys from around the country that didn't sign hey find out why they didn't sign throw throw an offer their way and see if you can get a visit out of it so uh, i think that's probably the storyline to follow there's going to be 
be new names that pop up and it's going to be funny because there's going to be new names that pop up and that guy might be off the board in two days to someone else. So it's it, it's going to be an exciting time. It's just going to be a different time. We're going to learn a lot about this early signing period and the impacts that it had um, you know, coming in the next couple of years. But January is just going to be interesting because y- you can really be thrown all over the place in, uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. Right. The other part about that is too because you know so much of the discussion for Penn State even at the beginning of the class has been about space. How many scholarships they have left? How many more kids can they sign even if everyone wants to come on board or a couple of defects as we expect with with Tyreek Smith and, and some others. But with the departures of Manny Bowen and Irv Charles, whom we talked about at length in the last episode, space, you know, in terms of it being a problem, um, has only gotten better. So does that continue to trend? Are there any guys who might have been on, on the fringe? We talked about Jake Zembeck, who's a quarterback who's dealt with some issues and obviously, you know, lost a third-string job to Sean Clifford. Is he a guy who might want to stick around? Are there other carefrontations, that term we've heard about so many times, where in these end-of-the-year meetings that are going to be coming up, the coaches say, listen, you know, there doesn't really seem to be a future here. Not sure what you want to do. This is where we're heading. You know, things must change. And, and does does that fact that Bowen and Charles are no longer here open up more space or was that all the space that Penn State really needed to accomplish what it wanted in the second signing period? Well, when Penn State was taking guys, you know, late in the late in the process, I mean, they didn't really have room for them at that point. And it's funny because I talked to a lot of people and and we talk about the 25 cap that's in place now. Of course, Penn State has a little bit more room to play with because of this is the last year you can roll back guys to the previous class. Um, so they've got space. The 85 is something that we always talked about. But at the same time, you know, I was talking to someone and they said, hey, you're going to get to 85. It happens. It just it, it's it's sort of like magic. I mean, <laughs> attrition happens. Things happen. Um, you know, whether it's expected or unexpected, they know some of these guys are, are probably not going to be here next year. Um, so th- I think there will be more space. So it, it, you got to be careful with it. Um, you, you, but you can also adjust your recruiting plan on the fly. I think that's something they've done with Tyler Friday. Friday was a guy that they've always liked. Um, you know, he really wasn't at the top of the board or anything like that. Um, with, with Penn State going after these three defensive ends. But at the same time, quality player in the region, you can make a run at him in January. He did not sign w- with a team in December, so you can make a run at him. You've readjusted your recruiting board, so he's gone from maybe you know your number nine, eight or nine guy, now all of a sudden he's four, and y- you've got space to bring somebody in. So, so I think that's the thing that comes into it. You look at your positions, you see what you're losing, and, and I do think that you, you know, we will see a little bit more attrition this offseason uh, you know, when they get back from the bowl game and have to start the spring semester and whatnot. It'll happen. It always does. It's it, like I said. It's like magic. So you're not fighting that number, and, and they were really hard on that cap for a while. But then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, let's get all the talent we can get and work it out later. And it's really worked out for them. Okay. Now, doing a total 180 here, uh, I think we should end on quote of the week and tweet of the week because a. I like it when I can throw you off a little bit with a different schedule or we go in reverse. But there were a number of just money quotes in that Penn State locker room after winning the Fiesta Bowl, which we opened with here. And there was one with Ryan Bates that took off. Another one about Cole Farmer talking about Brandon Smith, which was great. But the best one from my standpoint was Bates, which was talking about that offensive line. So your official quote of the week is going to be, quote, we did what we do best, kick ass. 
And honestly, if we did a if we did a tweet and quote of the year and had better foresight about you know this whole podcast that we started in what like late spring last year and ended with the best we've had this year, I think we've got to put that up there with with any other quote that we've had. Yeah, absolutely. Non Browns, uh, non Browns category, but yes, I think you're right. Yes. <laughs> All right, tweet of the week. You know, because I sprung this on you, I'll fill this in too. I um, Marcus that. Allen. <laughs> Marcus Allen had a really great farewell uh, in his saying goodbye to Penn State. Obviously, as a senior, he's going to go on. There was a discussion he could have left for the NFL a year ago. But it was more just about, you know, obviously what the team accomplished, but what Penn State as a community and as a program meant to him and, and how he felt within that. I don't want to offer any more spoilers about it. I would just suggest you go see what Marcus tweeted. You know, of course, it's the old screenshots of, of the notes uh, program, which he, I did he didn't decommit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did not decommit, uh, is leaving. Um, but but they're you know it, it's it's a really um, we wouldn't do it justice reading it to you I guess is what yeah it's just, it's just yeah. genuine it's honest it, it's real raw and uh, I thought well done by Marcus so that is our official uh, quote and tweet of the week yeah uh, yeah and, and going back to Marcus Allen and and you basically hit time to say goodbye we we did that a little bit earlier but Marcus has been so important to the secondary and also the team I mean the thing that. I'll take away from Marcus's career, and he had a very good career at safety. I think he, you know, he's top five or something in tackles all time now. But the visibility that he brought to this program with his personality, with his social reach, and things like that, sort of moved Penn State into, into being a cool program to recruits. I mean, if you look yeah. at these tweets that these guys send out with the new offers and everything, Marcus Allen's picture is usually in there. It's usually him doing the, you know, the the free Kodak or whatever. Um, and uh, it's just his personality and his um, his coolness, I guess, for you know, lack of a better term, from a you know, thirty three year old white guy. Um, it, you know, it just it, it made the program a little bit cooler. James Franklin has a lot to thank for Marcus Allen beyond uh, what he did on the field. Yes, very cool, coolest guy in the program. Um, cooler than me. I, I have no problem commenting. No, that. Nobody watches our post game media day uh, dancing and stuff like that. They they just all all go to Marcus instead of us. I mean, it's crazy. So should should we start doing that? Like, we're gonna have, somebody's game? gonna have to with Marcus Allen out of here. I'm not sure who it's gonna be. Now thinking about how much of other fellow white guys uh, constitute the Penn State beat, I'm wondering how horrible or what the you know down rating would be on YouTube if such a video was recorded of the entire beat doing something a la Marcus Allen in the locker room. The less Penn I mean, State we- fans see behind the scenes of the Penn State beat, the, the happier they'll be. I think we'll, we'll, we'll end it on that. More likely to have live injuries than you would be you know live anything else or it being live itself with all the dancing. Uh, but very good. All right. Well, I'm not sure when we're going to do this next. Uh, we will have more coming up, obviously, ahead of the February signing period. You know, we, we've got to get in the same time zone and everything like that, first and foremost. And I'm going to be heading back towards uh, more snow in Massachusetts. Uh, Hoops talk, yeah. that's going to be coming up a lot more as we head into Penn State starts. 0-1 as it returns to Big Ten play. Things not looking so good for the Lions. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of hoops to play. So in the meantime, thanks for joining us. Please find us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever else you have. Offer that rating review. We've, we've been treated so kindly so far. It's been a hell of a season, and it's finally wound down um and i've had some fun i don't know about you yeah we've uh we've kicked ass as ryan bates would say <laughs> we did what you do best we'll see you next time